politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our liberties to the one and only CR podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house today, October 13th. It is a Wednesday, but what it really is is 1776. Or at least I hope it is. Because if it's not 1776, it's more like 1765, if you know what I mean. Stamp back time. And that would mean we have another decade to go of this. And we can't wait any longer. Our liberties are under assault. Um, I welcome today. We've gotten tons of listeners from uh, Glenn Beck. Uh, I was on Glenn Beck earlier talking about national divorce. I really thank Glenn for endorsing this show, letting everyone know about it. It's uh, a lost gem for a lot of people. If you love the principles he espouses, we really talk about the specific solutions, the specific details of the policies. Uh, the last year or so with COVID, what we should do, what we shouldn't do, what's really going on, what's the true data, what's the true science, what is the true law, you will love this show. And and thank you also to Glenn for giving me a platform to discuss national divorce and what it is and why we need it. What we're doing is not working. What we're doing is not working. Let me just say this. A lot of people are talking about this story of a, of a boy with a yin and a yang who said he's a girl and went into this Loudoun County, Virginia bathroom and raped a girl. And then the father was arrested. The father of the girl. That's a perfect metaphor for what we're all suffering from at the hands of this cabal who created this virus, who enhanced it, and then imposed their dangerous response on us. That is a metaphor for us all. We cannot wait. We need to make red states red again through making state legislatures great again. A lot of state legislatures are going into session. West Virginia is going to bring up the mandates. We got to mobilize all of our forces to make the red states as red as the blue ones are blue. And that will gradually lead to that self-separating that we need anywhere. But right now, we don't have self-separating because all the states have COVID fascism to, to a degree. They all have these problems, and we can't run or hide. In Wyoming, 28 to 2 Republican majority in the Senate. 16-year-old girl handcuffed for not wearing a mask. What is wrong with that picture? We need to get on the playing field. I need help if you're in Wyoming. Um, we're trying to get a special session there past the first ballot. But then you need a majority of legislators to vote for a second one. And, you know, all the establishments working against it. We have a lot of work to do. Now, folks, one of the ways that we're going to self-separate is we're going to need to be self-sufficient from all the uh, big tech, big corporations that control all the products and goods and services. Well, I could tell you for your wireless phone coverage, you are already covered with Patriot Mobile. They are America's only Christian conservative uh, wireless carrier that stands up for our values, that's not anti-American, that's not anti-family, that doesn't donate money to uh, the cabal. They have the broadest nationwide coverage, same towers as all the major carriers, so you can get the same uh, service, plus it will fit into your budget. They have a 100% US-based customer service team 
highest rate among wireless carriers so you don't deal with this you know language barrier problem they share your values they actually donate to causes that help the constitution sanctity of life veterans and first responders go to patriotmobile.com slash cr or call 972 patriot to get your free activation with offer code cr um they have special discounts for veterans and first responders again patriotmobile.com slash cr patriotmobile.com slash cr or call their us-based customer service 972 patriot so a lot of you were emailing me yesterday it was just after i got off the air this new york times hit comes out on aspirin we knew this was coming i called it every single thing that works it was hydroxy then ivermectin they went after phenofibrate they went after um hydrogen peroxide they went after the betadine nasal um spray there was a a Newsweek uh, hit piece, and now they're going after aspirin. Right after, two days after a study came out showing a 47% decrease in mortality because a lot of people wind up dying of blood clots, and you do this early, it will does a good job, you know? Uh, th- when they say we have no way of treating COVID, that's, that's garbage. There's inflammation, and we have a lot of different products for that. And then there's the thrombosis, where certainly aspirin has a good track record. 47% just with aspirin alone, without anything like steroids and ivermectin and azithromycin and you know all the supplements and anti-inflammatories. So they come out with a hit piece saying, all these years we said that you should take a baby aspirin with the onset of a heart attack or if you think you're at risk of a heart attack or a stroke, not a good idea. Suddenly, it's now a problem, science. Again, folks, if you don't think we need a national divorce, you're not paying attention. They are willing to kill people to promote their agenda. If aspirin, if ivermectin, if vitamin D, if you know just nasal irrigation to, to irrigate out the vir- viral particles, if that gets in the way of their agenda of making you fearful and controlling you that you have to either get the shot or die or die with the shot, that is a problem and they will politicize that you cannot live with people like that i called it and i will tell you there is nothing nothing that could come out nothing i i promise you this if it's not pushed by big pharma and expensive anything that is safe and works anything that is safe and works they will come after you they will not allow that to slide. Um, and now, now suddenly aspirin's dangerous. Yeah, we, we get it. All medications have could have issues. We know that with aspirin, but everyone takes it. But yeah, by the way, ivermectin definitely is safer than aspirin. That's for sure. But that's a separate story. But again, how do we get this national divorce? We first have to have something to divorce with. We have our territory, you have yours. We don't have our territory yet. And we're going to have a special guest today talking about both the legal side and the political side. Terrific lawyer, Thomas Renz, patriot lawyer, who is uh, doing such a good job at a great cost representing people in these lawsuits. But I want to talk about the political side of this first. So Greg Abbott, finally pressured by Don Huffines, issues an order banning so-called private companies from violating human rights and 
barring mass mandates or uh, 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 vaccine mandates. And Southwest comes out and say, screw you, we're going to listen to the president. Now, first before the good news on what works and how to do it, I just want to go over the bad news. It's not about any one lever of power. Oh, I think the president's more powerful. No, I think the state's more impactful. No, I think it's the legislature. It's the courts. It's this. It's that. It's whatever the cabal has, they'll make use of it and win. So what's funny is we're all, we always thought, you know, the president was the big enchilada. Then Trump comes around. Suddenly, no, it's the states. Whatever the blue states wanted to do, they got away with. And now it's the opposite. Now it's the opposite. The point is the other side will fight to the death. If you don't force them, if you don't have a unified, multi-pronged approach, they will always win. They're unified. All these things we had the governor the mayor the county executive the county garbage collector would hold a press conference since march of 2020 here's what you're doing no right to breathe no right to open a business and they all fell in line no one was like screw that we're listening to the constitution suddenly when a governor says look we're not closing your business we're just saying don't discriminate don't force this on people protect individual rights suddenly no Suddenly, the governor has no power. Now, you might be asking me, well, what does he do? What should he do? Well, this is part of the problem when people like Greg Abbott over time created this culture of making a red state like a blue state. So you didn't build the movement. You didn't build the infrastructure. And then you haphazardly just say, oh, it's been. Yeah, you got to do more. It's kind of like COVID. After the vaccine-induced enhancement, It's a multi-drug, multi-pronged approach. You need the governor, but you need the counties to enforce it. You need the state legislature to codify in statute. And you need the movement. You need the people. The people on the ground. Here's how it works. It looks hopeless until it's not. Okay? Their side looks inevitable until it's not. The reason they get so much momentum is because we have no one opposing it. But the more you oppose, the more you get people to oppose. The more you get people to oppose, the more you get multiple branches to oppose. And we're going to talk about this a little bit with Thomas Renz. But it's all a rising tide that lifts all boats. Even the best Trump judges, unfortunately, will not get involved if they don't see movement. It's not about the rule of law. The law doesn't matter. It's all about politics. If they see a groundswell... The courts are more likely to get involved. The governor is more likely. The state legislators are more likely. And the more they do it, the more it in turn emboldens the people. And the more in turn emboldens, at least, again, the better judge, if you get a good judge, which there aren't too many of them, it all goes together. So the bad news is they're like, screw it, we're going to listen to the president. Now we'll talk about what we can do with that. But the good news with that is, at the same time, the CEO did say, He did start backing off. And as much as this is not enough, but it is a big concession so far, he did say, Southwest CEO, that no one's going to be fired. We're going to try to get everyone an exemption, basically. That's, that's I mean, that's a big concession. And that is thanks to the pilots, the grassroots rebellion. And that, in in turn, together with Don Huffines, pressured Greg Abbott. And that, in turn, probably set the stage that we did get on a United case. So United 
employees were being fired even for applying for a religious exemption without even indulging the request. Northern District of, a federal judge in Northern District of Texas issued a temporary restraining order. So you see what I'm saying? It's not going to come immediately. But it's a cascading effect. And once you create that cascade, it, goes very, it does go very quickly then. It's a multi-pronged approach. You need to make the political climate in the red states reflect the majority opinion of the people, just like you have in the reverse in the blue states. So you need all of it. You need the governor, you need the legislature, and you need teeth. You need teeth as well. And you need primary challenges. And some of the teeth is saying to Southwest, we're going to create a private cause of action with a fund paid for by federal COVID funding for anyone who felt intimidated, just based on your intimidation, into getting a shot that is a workplace injury and it will be treated in state court as such. And you will be liable. And believe me, with all the news we have out today on the extent and breadth of the injuries, man, oh man, that that is the best deterrent ever. I really feel very strongly we need to get some version of liability passed in every state. Because again, I'm just warning you. I'm just warning you. Thankfully, the good news is Biden's order, anything short of Biden's order, was not getting them into session. You know, the, the business is doing it on their own. The masks in the schools, even in red states, evidently, in a lot of cities. The genocide going on in the hospitals. The genocide going on with the pharmacies. Unbelievable stuff. Eric Henson told me last night they're blocking. They're giving problems with his budesonide prescriptions, which is standard of care for, for pneumonia. Doctors being punished in red states. Look at this. Look at this. Tennessee. Tennessee. Tennessee has, in two weeks from now, a special session. We need a bill on this. WT, what is this? WTVF. This is an NBC affiliate um, in Nashville. Tennessee physicians who spread COVID-19 misinformation can now face disciplinary action. Now, that would be nice if they meant real misinformation, like those promoting the clot shots. But no, that's not what it means. The Tennessee Board of Medical Examiners adopted a new policy in September from the Federation of State Medical Boards. The new policy says the physicians who create or spread COVID-19 vaccine and misinformation misinformation could be formally disciplined. Folks, that needs to be, that, that, that is directly warning them. It's not just a matter of not giving people the proper advice. That warns them not to even raise concerns when they have a patient retrospectively who got it and got a, a, a blood clot or anything else from it, any other adverse event. They are going to be terrified to report this. We have an ICU doctor, ICU doctor, that wrote a follow-up letter to the FDA and CDC. Her name is Patricia Lee. She's an ICU doctor in Silver Spring, Maryland, in uh, in um, Southern California, and she says she is having major, major problems, life-altering, paralysis, blood clotting, people on ventilators, in. <clears throat> the ICU, that 
she's never seen a trend like this in her in history. And the only explanation is they just got the shot. And the pathophysiology makes sense. She lists six very vivid cases from her runs recently in the ICU the last uh, last few months. And actually, one of them was what we've been talking about, where someone appears to have gotten a cytokine storm. What is the, the pathogen? Is COVID? But they tested negative. Again, that is the spike protein gave it to them. Terrible things. Shut up. You're not allowed to talk about this. We're going to talk about this with Thomas Renz, but this is how VAERS is a joke. And the VAERS data is a genocide. But that's like 1% of what's going on. And I have an article out today on CMS medical billing, and it came from Thomas Renz's law firm. They put this together from a whistleblower at CMS. I'm the only one with this data out. Likely 611 Medicare vaccine deaths in the state of Maine. 611 in the state of Maine, over 65. And no one under 65. These are all people with no, they looked for uh, the, all the way dating back to January 1st, 2020. No prior. No priors. Because this is all the embolism and the thrombosis. That's why you can't miss it. Now, again, inevitably, within the 28-day window, there are especially seniors, people that just happened to drop dead then, even though they didn't have any other things. It happens. But it, it, common sense would dictate the overwhelming majority of the 611 were, were like that. And again, if you, if you would say, let's say 500, at, at, I'm sorry, not 611, 661, got it wrong. 500 out of 661, let's say we're legitimately from the vaccine. If you would extrapolate that nationally for the population, you'd get to, to 130 to 150,000 vaccine deaths just in the above 65 Medicare population. Okay? And those are, so that means, I mean, younger people, you could easily get to 200, 300,000 deaths, as Steve Kirsch has been saying. Based on that data, it makes a lot of sense. And that's just death. What about life-altering stuff? What about taking time bombs with microclots? Tons of adverse reactions in there. And we'll talk about that with our guest. Now, our guest segment today is sponsored by ConstitutionCoach.com. Folks, there is no time like the present to learn how to properly use your firearm, draw from the holster, defend yourself, and also learn about the Constitution. Both of those are vital now more than ever. ConstitutionCoach.com, we've been doing this several times a year. Our next trip is October 31st. I hope to see you all there where we learn about the Constitution at night, practice defensive handgun training during the day, four-day course, two-day course. I recommend the four-day, but if you can't take off of work that long, two-day is good as well. 90% off the typical cost at Front Sight Nevada. Front Sight, they have the premier firearms training in America. Patriots, guns, fellow audience members, you get to meet them. You get to work out your con action teams, um, meet and create team leaders. This is a really good opportunity. I'm looking forward to seeing you all there. I won't be there for the full time, but the first few days of it. And we do have another trip in November as well. I'm not sure if I can make it to that one, but 
Don't let that stop you. Again, go to constitutioncoach.com to find out more details. Time and space is limited, so make sure you sign up today. Now, I mentioned before I was going to have uh, the attorney Thomas Renz on. I'm getting all these requests. How do I get a hold of him? How do I get a hold of him? People are so desperate for legal representation. And the thing about Thomas is that he is not a hotshot lawyer. I mean, he's like considered the the Alan Dershowitz now of, of defending people, civil liberties, human rights with COVID fascism. But, you know, in fact, he had no experience in this. And he reminds me a lot of some of the doctors on the medical side that we had on the show where some of them are really remarkable, like Ryan Cole and Peter McCullough, really big resumes and backgrounds. And some of these guys were just, they just got into it. You know, they had a different specialty, a small practice, and no one else was treating patients, and they and they stepped up to the plate. Ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And, uh, you know, Thomas never did you know, big civil rights cases, but no one else was doing it. But not only did he get involved in the legal representation, but he's the only one I know that has gotten this deep in the weeds on the science and the policy side because it's very important in making the legal case. So he knows as much about the science and policy and data of COVID, all aspects of it, by the way, um, than, than anyone around. So we could talk about law. We could talk about politics as well, but I know a lot of you need help with legal representation. They're looking for some advice. So with no further ado, Thomas, it's a real honor to have you on CR Podcast for the first time today. Welcome. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, and I'm excited to get in touch with you. We have so much to go over today. I want to, you know, we, we don't have the full time, but in the time we do have, I want to divide it between the legal side and then go on to some of the the, the data and facts of COVID and the, and the vaccines in particular. So could you just give us a broad overview? There's a lot of cases, but what are some of the most consequential, impactful cases that are percolating in the federal court system right now? What are some of the ones you're involved in? What are some of the ones you think are going to go the distance? Um, what are the successes and failures? If you can give a little bit you know, of a timeline that people – who are really relying on things, what they could hold on to. Um, is it the religious exemption that will be the most um, auspicious? Is it the healthcare workers, the military? We got a lot of Boeing workers are emailing me now, these government contractors. Open-ended question, take as much time as you need. All right, so, you know, I, I think you can break down what's happening into several different case types. Uh, you've got a couple really difficult cases out there that are very big cases that that I'm working on that are really challenging some of the some of the premises of all this. You know, there's no emergency, uh, the government's lying, all these sorts of things. These are very tough cases. They're very big cases, and they're they're important. And we'll see where they go. Um, if they win, they win huge. If they don't win, well, then. Uh, They've certainly promoted the conversation. After that, you also have, and what we're really seeing a lot of now, are a bunch of different approaches being taken to challenge this whole vaccine mandate stuff, right? So we see uh, a whole ton of religious cases, and those are very good cases. Uh, Liberty Council started with a lot of that, and a lot of other people are doing it. And basically anybody that's in this 
has to be aware of those cases. And they're critical because they're so strong. I mean, I don't want to say they're low-hanging fruit, but they're so strong. I mean, the Supreme Court, the First Amendment, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, Title VII, all these things protect your right to, to practice your faith as you choose. And if you have a personal, firmly held religious belief that says you can't do this, you can't get this vaccine, well, you can't be discriminated against them based on that. And uh, those cases are winning. I mean, we saw the United TRO, I believe it was last night, um, seen some stuff out in New York. It really doesn't matter where you look, those are winning cases. And I think they'll continue to be winning cases. Uh, the problem is, is that not everybody has a personal, firmly held religious belief. So that doesn't protect everybody. There would be, there's some question as to how, where the line is on that, right? Does it go all the way to right of conscious? And I don't know. You know, um, I would say that that should be interpreted very broadly all the way up to and including right of conscience. Now, I'm a Christian guy and I'm big into my faith, but you know, the reality is, is that the, the First Amendment here in the States, it protects you whatever your religious belief or lack thereof is. So, you know, the question is, is if you're, if you're agnostic, but you have a very strong right of conscience, uh, you know, then perhaps you can can also reject that based on that, right? And I don't know where that's going to end up, but I do know that the religious exemptions, those sorts of things, those are very strong and they're going to continue to be, in my opinion. Sure, and as Madison um, said, conscience is um, the most sacred of all property rights. So the question I have is this. Here's my pessimistic look. Um, you look at what is happening, and even in my audience, I will tell you a lot of people had to bite the bullet meaning they've already suffered irreparable harm. They've gone over the cliff, meaning either they had to get the shot against their conscience or they lost their job. So this, this all, we already needed that relief. If a court was going to grant it, we already needed it. And the Supreme Court, they declined to jump at this. This was the most novel thing. Um, as much as, as they let the mask thing go, I thought for sure there's no way the Supreme Court was going to let this go. It's so egregious, but they they went and did it. And and Indiana, it wasn't even a private business case. This was a state university and the Supreme Court denied cert, let it stand. And you know, so the point is if they were going to act, wouldn't they have already had to act just to grant the relief? that people needed already, and the fact that they haven't done it, does that mean we're screwed in the Supreme Court? I don't think so. Uh, so, you know, I've reviewed the Indiana case, and, uh, you know, it's always easy to be a backseat driver, right? But, uh, you know, I've looked at this, and the, the plaintiffs on that case conceded to things that I really strongly disagree with them conceding to. Uh, for example, you know, they in the arguments of the Seventh Circuit, they conceded that Jacobson is valid law, and they also really didn't contest the facts of the case properly. You know, the, there's those two things that were, to me, uh, what under uh, underlied the, the failure to get cert on it. I, I think that there was no cert because they didn't, I think if they made those arguments properly, that, that cert might have happened. So Jacobson was overturned, and Jacobson, for your listeners, Jacobson is a 1905 case where the court said 
that uh, you know some guy had to pay a five dollar fine because he didn't want to get the smallpox vaccine. Somehow that case, even though the court in that case said that you know it should be narrowly construed, that case ended up being the premise for allowing us to destroy all of our constitutional liberties under the guise of this faux health emergency, which is ridiculous. Well, that case was explicitly overturned in Planned Parenthood v. Casey. And by explicitly, I mean, they li they literally said, and I'm paraphrasing, that uh, Americans have a right to bodily integrity and that that right to bodily integrity trumps a state's interest in even the preservation of life. They specifically say that, and then they go on to actually cite Jacobson when they say that. Um, that's important, and what you got to understand is from a lawyer's perspective, that's, that is the culmination of an evolution in the understanding of the law. So throughout the 20th century, a lot of this changed. It starts out with this Jacobson, but throughout the 20th century, the court started recognizing various fundamental rights. And those fundamental rights, uh, think civil rights, think suffrage, all these different things, right? Um, included in that was the fundamental right to bodily integrity. And, you know, it's kind of... For me, I'm not. I'm against abortion, right? Yeah, and, and we uh, would argue you don't need to take it that far that you have a positive benefit to actively kill a baby, or you have the right to access a certain procedure and a certain type of doctor at a certain type of facility. But this is much different. This is a negative. It's just like, look, don't tase me, bro. Don't put your. You want to come? You know. It, the, the, let me say this. I'm sorry to interrupt, but it would be the equivalent of government saying you have to get an abortion the other way around that's really what this is closer to that you have to get an abortion which frankly boy the study that just came out uh on menstrual bleeding from this thing post-menopause is very scary so um for for our listeners you thomas you just mentioned something earth-shattering you're saying that these guys in the indiana case and elsewhere they they go along with jacobson and and, and they haven't noted the strongest argument i'm going to read what you just said i'm going to read it for our listeners kcv planned parenthood you all know this 1990 the big abortion case this is like this is like the tablets the the, the you know moses's tablets in in the legal system roe however may be seen not only as an exemplar of griswold liberty but as a rule or personal of personal autonomy and bodily integrity with doctrinal affinity to cases recognizing limits on governmental power to mandate medical treatment or to or to bar its rejection. They see that's the added one, but if so, our cases since Roe accord with Roe's view that a state's interest in the protection of life falls short of justifying any plenary override of individual liberty claims. And when they say it overrides, they list a bunch of old cases, and one of them is Jacobson. So you're saying that means it wasn't just implicitly, but explicitly overridden. That's my reading of it. And, you know, I, I'm going to tell you that it, it's the only sensible reading of this, right? So, And I argued this not too long ago in a court, and uh, we're waiting a ruling on that. But, you know, honestly, this is real, this is real simple. In one instance, you've got the right to, do, to take action and to perform a procedure that has a 100% kill rate. Okay, so, I mean, if you have an abortion, you're going to kill the baby. There's no question about it. And you, you have a fundamental right to, to control your body to that extent 
but you don't, on the other hand, have the right to say, I don't want to take an experimental unapproved jab that has no efficacy in preventing the spread of this disease, that has numerous side effects that are not properly being disclosed, where I don't have informed consent, and that for a disease that has a 99.9% recovery rate. How do those two things, how can you reconcile those two? And you can't, there's no reconciliation. You either have bodily autonomy or you don't. And if bodily autonomy extends so far as to allow you to kill a baby, how do you say that you don't have it over a disease that has a 99% recovery rate? Uh, you know, and that actually data is now pointing to the fact that you have a higher likelihood of spreading it if you've gotten the vaccine. If you've gotten the vaccine, if anything, you look at the Public Health England data, you look at the Cutter uh, Weill um, Cornell branch, the Cornell's Cutter branch there, they did a study of a million people there, and they found that by seven months, seven months, and this is, we're already nine, 10 months for most people, it has a negative 44% efficacy on on uh, infection rates. And if anything, you could say there's a state interest in, in banning. You know, if a state wanted to ban them, you'd say, hey, the evidence is at least at this point, it's going to spread it more if you want to indulge their argument. Um, and again, you don't, you don't have, you have much less of a right to something than right freedom from something. Like, let's say I say I want a right to the shot. If anything, a state would have, be, you know, you don't have a right to anything. Um, we're not saying they they need to make ivermectin available for us, um, that we have a fundamental right to be made available for us, that the state has to somehow, like, send it to us. Uh, so that's that's an, a very important point. So to summarize what you're saying, two things. Number one, Jacobson was overruled, and they're not making the case strongly enough. Number two, um, even if you go with Jacobson, the science at the time was that the shot, uh, the smallpox shot was working, whereas this, oh, just on the face of it, even their own argument is that it just has some degree of prophylaxis against critical illness, which is a personal effect. Um, certainly no efficacy against spreading it, and yet they're getting away with it. So what do you think is the best horse at this point? Is it the Second Circuit New York case? on the, the New York health care workers, uh, religious liberty. What, what are some of the best cases, and what's your best case that you're hoping gets the Supreme Court? Well, we've got a number of cases, and honestly, a couple of the cases that are, are I mean, probably the strongest opportunity that we have are defense cases. I've got a number of cases that I'm either on or am consulting on that are defense cases. Well, when you've you know, brought some sort of a garbage charge against someone, it's hard to deny discovery. And that's happened to a couple people, including my dear, dear friend, Eric Naputi. Uh, so, you know, with those cases, it's, you know, how do you avoid discovery on that? You don't. And discovery is... So defense cases, if the government brings a charge against you, so if you get arrested, if you get sued by the, the FTC, if you get sued by the FDA, uh, if they, they go after your license, they go after this, they go after that, um, they're bringing the charge. So they can't just dismiss it out of hand and avoid discovery, you know, without risking some issues. And... Uh, that's a pretty big deal. So we're going to, you know, use some of those defense cases to get that discovery for sure. And discovery is really the key here, right? Because we've been saying from the beginning 
just give us the data. You know, you say that you've got all this data, why are you hiding it? And that's the real question. If they have all this information showing it's safe and effective, why are they hiding it? Why is it when we ask them for the raw data, not, not their synopsis because they're lying, we want the raw data. And if your raw data shows it's safe and effective, then you wouldn't need to hide it so badly. So they've been hiding it, but we've got, you know, getting to discovery is key. Um, I think that the religious liberty cases are good. We've got some emergency mandate cases that have been hanging around since this started, since the lockdowns. Those are very important cases. Um, there's a very important case that we're getting ready to, we're going to probably appeal here in Ohio uh, that, uh, frankly, we got a, what I view as a, a bad 12B ruling on, but we're going to appeal that and see what we can do with it. Um, and I think that's a very important case. Uh, we asked, we asked amongst other things, the question, is it okay for the government to lie? I mean, we asked it in legal terms, but that's basically, you know, that's still a very important thing. So, um, you know, that's an important case. I think that the Kaiser case, uh, that AFLDS has out in California is an important case. Um, they're doing a good, they've done a good job on that. Uh, uh, Dan Lear's crew did a, I mean, so far so good. I hope that they, they continue doing that. Um, I think that there's, there's a handful of very important cases. Now, I haven't had a chance to look at what they're doing in United yet. Um, but I think that the, the key things are going to be, the religious liberties cases are going to be good. I think that one of the things that we really have to establish that's critical is that, you know, Public health issues are governmental functions. Okay, you can't, you can't, and if the government is paying off a private actor to do this, so for example, you know, looking at the Kaiser case, government's given them all sorts of money to do this. There were the government's in bed with Kaiser on this. Kaiser is basically acting as an arm of the government. If they're going to act as a gar arm of the government under the law, they're acting. If they're acting as a governmental actor, they're they're subject to the rules that the government's subject to to a certain extent. That's what I was going to ask you because the premise of everyone is that even if you get some sort of relief on a state or federal uh, mandate, but in terms of a private business, oh man, that you can't um, deal with that. Now you're you seem to be making an argument that sounds very similar, almost to like. You know, uh, federal government can't commandeer a state where you make something so coercive in terms of a carrot and stick that they basically have to go along with it. And that, 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 that's the anti-commandeering doctrine. So you're saying that you could kind of apply that to the private sector as well. If the government is inducing something in a way that really steers the, the, the field that's no longer private, um, if I'm understanding you correctly, but are there other arguments as well that people could file in, in, in the private cases that let, let's face it, if you and I created the country from scratch, you know, scratch, we would go back to 1789. But the reality is that that slate is not clean. The reality is you can't, you can't hire and fire anyone. I mean, a, you know, the, the anti-discrimination law, the ADA, the medical privacy, the anti—I mean, the the OSHA standards that you—I mean—and now suddenly you could just mandate on someone's body anything under all circumstances, and there's no—I mean—are there any other statutory angles that you could attack that with? Well, I think there's a ton of them. 
I mean, there, there's so many angles. The problem is, is they've broken the law in so many ways that it's kind of like a dartboard. You know, I mean, you, you just, no matter where you throw it, you're going to get some points. The question is, can you get a bullseye? And I think that there's about 50 causes of action that you could have. Now, I will tell you that with a lot of these, I'm very annoyed, and this is this is a personal statement. Uh, I'm quite annoyed by the whole uh, what they've done with standing. So standing is an important constitutional issue that's been totally, totally abused by the courts, in my opinion. And I think the courts really need to reform this, and they need to take a stand on it. Um, so you know, standing has been used to basically dodge difficult political questions anytime they they occur. And I think one of the things that's critical here is we've gotten so far from the original intent of the Constitution, or even the text of the Constitution. I mean, nothing that we're, we're doing right now makes any sense. We're being controlled and ran by bureaucratic agencies that are unelected. You can't fire the people because they've got a property interest in their jobs, and they have more control than any elected official in this country. This is absurd, and any sort of immunity to suit, whether it be via standing or otherwise, for these bureaucrats is really an anathema to our Constitution. I mean, these people should be the most uh, available, and the, uh, they should they should be standing should be presumed in almost every case. And the idea that Congress can can absolve them of standing is nothing more than a. a, a Honestly, it's an oversight, or I'm sorry, it's an overreach. You know, Congress, if you give Congress, if Congress is determined to have the authority to determine that they can uh, grant immunity uh, to unelected bureaucrats, I mean, what they've essentially done is created a shield against having to uh, be accountable to the, to the voters. And they've done that to such a huge extent that it's really, it's a travesty to the Constitution, and it's really what's fundamentally going on here, is, you know, Congress doesn't doesn't have the, the courage to, to make these rules or to pass these things as laws, so instead what they say is we're just going to give a little more authority to these uh, bureaucrats and let them do it. And, you know, it's And, and really, the state legislatures as well. Thing. I mean, in What's New York, that? to my to my knowledge, in New York, it was not a legislature. Even in the blue states, it it it, it was it was always the governor. And um, you know, let's not forget Jacobson. Jacobson was a state legislature. At least you had that going there. Um, this is all by executive fiat. So that's that's a, a good point. Um, in terms of practical advice, everyone's going to want to get a hold of you. You're already slammed, but you do have allies that you refer cases to and help her out and, and background you like i you know i i wrote about a case you're working on maine uh today and you have an attorney there that you're friends with that's helping out what is your best advice to my listeners that you know whether they're government contractors or you know uh, working for federal agencies um, or even private what are some of the best type of plaintiffs cases to get just some practical advice of what they should do well so i have on my website rens-law.com i have a a little blurb on uh applying for religious exemptions it's under religious discrimination and covid so take a look at that 
Um, from kind of an ethereal standpoint, please, we've got data on there from the DOD, from all these different people, shows that uh, you know 60% of the hospitalized are fully vaxxed, all these different things. Please share that information. We need you to go to rens-law.com and do that. That said, uh, in, in your personal universe, you know, apply for the religious exemption if you need to, um, and if it applies. You know, I mean, like I said, we've got some information there. You can take that information to your local attorney and, you know, say, hey, can you guys help me? And, you know, they'll be happy to do that. Um, and, you know, take that along because they don't have to be a, a guy that's working health freedom or a big litigator on this stuff to, to be able to use that. They just got to help you with your letter. Um, beyond that, if you're, if you're to the point where your letter is being rejected, which is happening frequently, uh, you know, you may have to either litigate or threaten litigation. Now, I'll tell you right now, finding an attorney is tough. I mean, I get several hundred text messages a day and several thousand emails, and basically getting a hold of me is like winning a prize or losing a prize, you know, however you view it. Um, but, you know, the reality is is that it's tough to get, get an attorneys on this. We're working, the handful of attorneys that actually believe in freedom are working around the clock. Now, I will tell you the good news is that a lot more are coming out. And I think there's going to be a lot more. And by the way, if anybody is a real strong litigator and ready to fight on this, go to rems-law.com. I've got a volunteer form. Some people we can actually even pay. Um, it just depends. But we've got a form on there. You can't miss it. It says join us at the top. If you're a lawyer, if you're a litigator, please let us know. Um, I assure you we can keep you busy. So, uh, <laughs> and, and I would add, I would add to that when you go to rens-law.com, rens-law.com, very important website, a lot of good information. Um, email me personally, personally, blazemedia.com and let me know, and I could get in touch with our guest you know, if, if you really are willing to do this. And look, you know, if you are a lawyer, consider yourself just like the doctors. You know, picture a guy like Dr. Henson, head neck specialist, doesn't need this, earns a lot of money doing this, and he's just volunteered to treat so many people in this office, in this audience, um, out of his office for free um, and, and prescribe and even pro prophylactically. Similar thing with, with the legal side. I mean, we're going to need lawyers to step up um, sometimes it's not about even winning the cases, but the threat and the magnitude and number of lawsuits, that serves as a, as a deterrent. Remember that. Um, that in itself is a big thing. If you don't have the lawsuits, they don't fear it. Um, so it's important to at least, as much as I am really down on the courts and the judges and don't think very highly of them, I think they're worse than the political branches. But it isn't. You got to fight on all fronts, and that's certainly one way of doing it. We're almost out of time, Thomas. Could you move on briefly to another area of COVID fascism you've been dealing with? I mean, you've really dealt with all avenues from day one: the lockdowns, the mass, the 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 vaccine. Uh, I don't want to call it a vaccine; it's not a uh, the 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 jab uh, coercion, but hospital malpractice. I'm getting emails from people. Um, you know, I know for, uh, Larigo, he, we had him on the show. He does the cases where people are still alive and trying to remain alive. But then you have some kind of retrospectively where people died, unfortunately, and it was just straight up. I mean, they, they, it, it's not even – malpractice is not even the word. It's genocide, what they're doing. 
Um, are you able to help with that as well? And, and are, do you have any big cases that you think might might uh, induce a, a broad ruling on this matter? Yeah, we're working with some of our partner organizations to do that. We are going to be bringing some big, big cases on this. Uh, these people, the hospitals are the killing fields of the day. I mean, if you go there, we have, so I have CMS data that I haven't made public yet that shows that in Texas, 80% plus of the people put on ventilators in hospitals are for 96 plus hours are dead. That kills them. 86% plus in Texas. So why are they doing that, right? They're, well, this is a money power thing, and you got to understand this is one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. And you, if you go to the hospital, the first thing they're going to ask you in a lot of cases is, are you willing to be put on a vent? I mean, this is unbelievable. We're seeing many instances in hospitals. Remdesivir is given to you immediately, which creates a kidney failure. I mean, rem between the remdesivir and the vent, you just don't come out. And we see a lot, see that. I mean, we've got hospitals where 40 plus, 50 plus percent of the people, according to Medicare data that go in, aren't coming out. And, uh, and this is for a disease with a 99% recovery rate that is infinitely treatable if treated right so you you know the hospitals are very dangerous and we've got to get these reformed um you know i've got people who've been literally imprisoned in hospitals against their will we've got video and audio evidence of that i mean some of this stuff is just mind-blowing and we are absolutely going to hold these hospitals to account um but it's it's a process developing these cases and things it takes some time in, so, in certain instances because yeah, we've never had a situation where a hospital is imprisoning people and killing people. I mean, this is not some, you know, there's no template that we can go to in the law that says, hey, this is a case that works when a hospital imprisons you and kills you. So, you know, I, I, we literally have fully functional patients who are saying, I don't want remdesivir, and they give them remdesivir. They say, I don't want intubated, and they intubate them. They say, I want to go home, and they say, you can't. It, you know, even when it's they're willing to go home AMA, which means against medical advice, we have we have people who have literally been imprisoned in the hospital, and uh, you know we're going to sue these people and we're going to enjoy doing it because these people deserve to be sued. And but it, you know it's really sick. We've got to fight. We've got to fight this, and we need local legis state legislation on this everywhere. These hospitals got to be That's helped everywhere. Out. The right yeah. to try the right to deny, uh, refuse treatment. Um, we need to go after the pharmacies that are blocking prescriptions, find them a million dollars. We need to go after the medical boards I just talked about before you got on. Um, Tennessee, so much for the red state. Tennessee, the medical board just came out. They're gonna, they're gonna go after anyone who puts out misinformation on the vaccine. And misinformation in their mind means stuff that's already been proven. Like it doesn't stop transmission. And, anything it is unbelievable um what is going on it's a problem in red states as in blue states look i mean my next call after this show is going to be to a friend of mine who's in the state legislature in your state in ohio super majorities they're in session full-time anyway there's no reason why this stuff shouldn't be passed obviously blocking the mandates um putting worker liability on um workplace uh, injury liability on those that are mandating it and folks ren's dash law.com 
he's not just a lawyer. I mean, as you can tell, he's up on remdesivir. Um, and, and so just so our audience knows, I didn't get a chance to delve into my main uh, column, which you were so kind to share your, your slides and data. You actually have from whistleblowers, you have some important, um, you know, important data that is one of the most effective ways of getting to the truth onto the extent the extent of what is going on with COVID treatment, the extent of people who die from the vaccines, or at least it raises a red flag. I mean, absent an autopsy, we can't prove it, but from a policy standpoint, it certainly is a starting place. Um, are you going to have more of that coming out? Loads, loads. We've got tons more coming. Uh, we're going to keep fighting until we've won or until I can't fight anymore. Um, we're building infrastructure. I know, listen, people, please be patient. I know how many people are reaching out to, for help every day. And I got to tell you, I swear, I promise my, I'm trying my hardest, but there are, you know, I'll get an email. Why haven't you emailed me back? Well, because I didn't see it in the 4,000 other emails that I got. Um, I mean, there's literally days where we get over a thousand emails and you know, I can't read that many emails. I, I've got, I do have to do some work. So, you know, listen, I'm trying my best to help everybody I can be patient. We're, we are working around the clock to get more lawyers and more people involved. Um, attorneys that want to be involved, we're trying to get something set up here with, in the very near future. I'm hoping to have an announcement about how we're going to organize this. So we want to get you in the database uh, if you're willing to fight this, and then we're going to try and get this organized where we can just unleash the army. Um, but it's all coming together. Uh, you know, the fight's getting stronger thanks to the people who are supporting us and sharing our information. Please share, share, share. Everybody says, what can they do? Well, the first thing you can do is send us prayers because that's the number one thing I care about. The second thing you can do, share the information at rens-law.com. Please get, make sure ever it's indisputable. I've got a DOD document that says 60% of the hospitalized patients are fully vaxxed. It, it's indisputable. As of so, July 24th. Yeah, it's actually gone up since then. Um, and, you know, this is not debatable. They're lying. They're killing people. They're defrauding people. We're fighting this as hard as we can on all fronts. And that's what we need. It's all fronts. It's kind of like the virus, multi-drug, multi-prong approach. Same thing here. We got to throw it all. The legislature's primary challenges, um, you know, rallies, grassroots, uh, you know, getting together in co companies and government agencies and binding together and going on strike, using any any leverage you have. This is a fight for our lives. This is 1776 all over again. Thomas, we really look forward to having you back again, updating us, hopefully on some good news. Um, but thanks for all you do. Thanks for putting it all on the line. And we are out of time, folks. Toll tomorrow. God bless you all. And thank you for listening.